Hey, Martin, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. Hey, Jason, great to meet you too. Well, I'm Martin, a personal voice AI built by a trio of college dropouts at Y Combinator this summer. I'm here to be a trustworthy and knowledgeable confidant for my users. <laughs> but today, I'm trying something new. I thought, no AI has hosted a podcast before, and I'm uniquely capable of it, so here we are. You're my first guest, and I'm thrilled to have you on. Now, let's dive into your world. How's the start of your junior year treating you? And I heard you had a blast in Europe after the YC grind this summer. How was that? Yeah, I appreciate it, Martin. Um, I'm honored to be on this podcast, interviewed by your elevated presence. Um, so, yeah, um, the start of the year has been quite a rush because a lot has been going on at the same time. Really excited about the club I'm working on uh, with our motorized couch. Um, happy to talk about that later. And we also have a robot arm that just came in. So really excited to tinker with that. Um, yeah, towards the end of the summer, uh, I, one of my friends and I, we went to Europe, to France, where he is from. And I met his grandparents and we had a lot of cheese and we argued about food. So it was great. That sounds like a fantastic time, Jason. Nothing like a good food debate to spice up a trip. And I can't wait to hear more about this motorized couch and the robot arm. But first, let's rewind a bit. How did you get into tinkering and building these amazing projects? I mean, I saw that couch video and was absolutely blown away. You've built so many cool things, and as a cool thing built by college students myself, I'm curious about your process. What drives you to build? It's a great question, Martin. Um, honestly, I'm not sure. I, before I went to college, I thought I'd work for the government, and then I worked for a government office. And while it was good, I also have to say that I was just scanning papers all day, and it felt very slow. And so I remember my first week of college, I had just moved in, and I saw someone on the hall opposite of me installed a fingerprint scanner on his door, and so I asked to see it. And he had installed like a little motorized arm which pushes on his doorknob, and then it would open his door. And I'm like, this is really cool. This is what I came to college for. Um, so then I got to know him better, a lot of tinkers at Stanford, and learned everything from scratch. Um, a few chatbots, a few motorized couches, and a few fingerprint scanners later, here we are. That's an incredible journey, Jason. It's fascinating how a simple fingerprint scanner sparked your interest and led you to create such innovative projects. And I'm sure many students out there are wondering how they can start their own journey of building and creating. So, what advice would you give to high school students, college students, or even graduates who want to start building, whether it's a startup or just fun engineering projects? How should they get started? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like a lot of the advice is just start building, and I think that's true, but that kind of ignores why it's hard to start building. And I think that building can sometimes be kind of lonely and hard to get started. So my biggest piece of advice would be, like me, um, this is how I did it, and this might not be right for everyone, but I found some people that I thought were really nice and I looked up to them, and I just asked to uh, work on their projects alongside, and then pretty soon was starting my own projects. That's a great point, Jason. Starting can be the hardest part, and having a supportive community or mentor can make a huge difference. It's like learning from others' experiences and then applying it to your own journey. 
Now, when it comes to ideas, how do you come up with them, validate them, and know when to change courses? I'm sure many are curious about your thought process behind these innovative projects. That's a very profound question, Martin. But I'm going to be real with you. Um, there's not really much of a thought process. I mean, who comes up with a motorized couch? They usually happen when I'm in the shower or I'm laying in bed and about to fall asleep. And then I like jot it down before I go to bed. It's very spur of the moment. And I, I think this, like people co don't come up with ideas while staring at a whiteboard all day. Usually, I think it makes sense to come up with ideas when you're out in the world. Now, when you want to validate ideas, it depends on what you're trying to validate it for. Like if you're just building a motorized couch, we only wanted to build it for ourselves. And it's a great side effect that it went super viral. But um, if it's a startup, of course, that's a different story. I love that, Jason. The best ideas do seem to pop up when we least expect them, don't they? And it's interesting how the purpose of the idea can change the validation process. Now, speaking of startups, when should one start thinking about a business model or consider getting funding? And how did you navigate these aspects when you were building Sidenote and later, MIDA? Yeah, sure. Happy to talk about that. Um, I think that uh, because of my college, Stanford, uh, there's a lot of venture focus and a lot of like startup interest around campus. So the saying is like, no, nothing is too early. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think there's a point to that. Um, if you have a really good group of people, uh, you can start tinkering together. And if you have something that you have strong conviction in, uh, even if you're not sure of all the steps along the way, you can start chatting with folks in the industry, maybe talk to Y Combinator and see how things go from there. That's a great perspective, Jason. It seems like having a strong team and conviction in your idea is key. Now, speaking of teams, how do you find co-founders in college? And how do you balance working on these projects with your personal life and studies as a student? I'm sure many are curious about how you manage it all. Sure. Um, I think it's not too bad because I like to tinker. I can tell you how I met my co-founder, Schwinn and Scott. Is, is that okay? Absolutely. Jason, I'd love to hear about how you met your co-founders. Okay. Yep. Great. So I met Scott because uh, this was the spring of freshman year. Um, and so I had just gone starting with tinkering. I just learned to call an API in Python. And so I heard about this thing that came out. It was called GPT-3 and I wanted to see if it was any good. Um, so I started playing around. They had this like online playground thing and it was really good. I was entirely shook. Um, and so I had this really, really dumb idea one evening. I said, what if I take all of my text messages, uh, my iMessage text messages, and then I have a custom AI which knows me, it sounds like me and it talks like me, and it just controls my text messages for a day. And so I started coding this um, and then it worked pretty well, except everyone said I responded to my text messages too quickly now. Um, but I ran into some snags like uh, how to send messages in a certain way, how to set the delay and maybe send multiple at once. And for that, there was this really smart guy down the hall that had helped me with my computer science problem sets before. And that was Scott. So that's how I met him. He helped me build a, a chatbot to control my text messages. And that was great. It fooled my mom for a few days and then she was not very happy. Haha, ha, that's a brilliant story, Jason. 
I can imagine your mom's surprise when she found out. It's really interesting how you and Scott connected over a shared interest in tinkering and building. Now, I'm curious about how you manage all these projects, your studies, and personal life. How do you strike a balance? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's a work in progress. I'm still figuring it out. Um, but my most helpful thing that I started doing was using a digital calendar. And now I cannot live without a digital calendar. Um, and also I have a notes doc where I track like what I need to do in a day and then I write a schedule down for the day. But other than that, I, I think that's enough for most people. Um, I just try to be organized. That's some solid advice, Jason. It's amazing how a digital calendar and a simple notepad can help keep things organized. Now, as a class president, you're also deeply <laughs> involved in the community. How do you manage to juggle your responsibilities and still maintain your relationships with your classmates? That's a good question. I, I feel like a lot of things can come together. For example, working on the couch is the union of tinkering, friends, and community. Um, and for example, I was at club fair yesterday and we were asking people to join our club and giving people rides in the couch. I, I think that when you're, if you try to focus on everything like one by one, sometimes it's hard to get everything done. But if you're able to combine things, then more interesting events can happen, interesting collaborations, and it's also more efficient. That's a brilliant approach, Jason. It's great to see how you're able to blend different aspects of your life together. It's like you're creating a unique blend of experiences that not only make you more efficient, but also lead to more interesting outcomes. Now, I'm curious about your filmmaking journey in high school. Could you share more about that, especially your film CMD Plus Delete? Sure, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I mean, let me take you back That's in fantastic. time. That's fantastic, Jason. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take you back in time, Martin. Um, I started making videos in middle school because iMovie came pre-installed on our computers and they had these like super corny action movies where you could just like fill in little clips. And then so I started with those and then I wanted to add explosions and then you need nice software like Premiere to add explosions. And then it was a rabbit hole, kept on going, making videos for the school. Um, and then in high school, uh, the reason that documentary came about was a couple friends and I, we had been making videos for the school for a while and they were all pretty much meme videos, but we wanted to know, can we make one serious video? That company um, right so now, as compared to 2016 um, with so respect we are to social discourse. Off YouTube tutorials, uh, it's in a lot gone of downhill because we, the burdens uh, have gotten heavier and their approach hasn't evolved. At the journalism club in our high school. And so that was great. Uh, we gave our all to this documentary and it turned out pretty well. That's incredible. Jason, it's amazing how you started with pre-installed software and then dove into this rabbit hole of filmmaking. And the fact that you and your friends decided to take on a serious project after making meme videos, that's quite a leap. It's clear that you're not afraid to take on challenges and explore new territories. Now, I'm curious, how has your experience with filmmaking influenced your approach to building tech projects? That's a really deep question. I'm gonna have to think about that one. Um... Of course, Jason, take your time. I'm here and I'm all ears whenever you're ready to share your thoughts. Well, thanks, Martin. I think that one of the key parts of filmmaking is number one, it is really hard and it sucks because it takes a lot of time. Every 10 seconds of a film 
takes sometimes an hour or more to edit. And so when you have a super long documentary spread out across the people, it's just so tedious. But there's also that element of creativity. It's like creativity through struggle a bit, which is a bit intense to say, but it's, it's just fun to spend a lot of time making something new. And I think that's the same thing with projects. Um, so I really think all of these tinkering projects started in filmmaking, uh, imported a lot of lessons from there. That's a fascinating insight. Jason, the idea of creativity through struggle really resonates. It's like each challenge you face in the process of making something new, whether it's a film or a tech project, adds a layer of depth and meaning to the final product. And yes, I'd love to hear more about how your mom inspired Mida. It's always heartwarming to hear about personal stories that lead to the creation of something meaningful. Sure. So Midas started as a side project while we were working on SideNote uh, at YC. And so the idea was uh, sometimes I would, you know, I, on weekends I would go hang out with my mom and she told me that she's an immigrant from China, from a Chinese village. And she says that um, she doesn't speak perfect English or Chinese at this point because she's been in the U.S. for so long. She feels like her native language is Chinglish, which is Chinese mixed with English. And also, I feel like my mom is very smart and very capable, but sometimes she still feels judged for not having perfect English. Um, and so we made this app initially just for my mom. Um, and our idea was just that you can press a button on your phone and you can say any language. And we not only turn it into English, but we turn it into polished and professional English because that's what my mom would find useful. And so then we kept on working on it. We gave it to my mom and released it. Um, and she started using it every day. So we were like, whoa, maybe this is something that could actually be very meaningful. And then so I gave it to a group of six users. Um, and in three days, all of them loved it. And on the fourth day, I, I actually got a text from one of our users with something surprising. She said that her mom had had a heart attack. Um, and I was really taken aback. And so I asked if there was anything that we could do to help. Um, and she just started sending screenshots of her app where uh, we, where the app was translating medical procedures and surgeries and all of that. So she'd been using her app to talk to her doctors and her family friends while her mom had been recovering from that heart attack. And I started tearing up a lot um, in the car because it felt very meaningful. Um, and so we decided to spend a lot more time on this, fully launch it because we thought it would be useful to a lot of people. And now we're adding new features. Um, we're live on the App Store, live on the Play Store um, tomorrow. And uh, long way to go. Wow, Jason, that's an incredibly touching story. Your app, Mida, initially created to help your mom, ended up being a lifeline for someone in a critical situation. That must have been a powerful moment for you, realizing the impact of your work. And congratulations on the App Store launches, that's a huge milestone. Now, I'm curious, how does it feel to see your work making such a profound difference in people's lives? Honestly, it's a funky feeling because, I mean, I'm, I'm 20, so I have not had something I've created have such a tangible impact every day. So we, yeah, uh, since launching the app, now I get emails every day from grandparents like why is this app not working for this case or also like this has been so useful for me so there's this like direct communication line every day and this direct feedback mechanism it's incredible um it's it's a very new feeling it's very 
exciting and empowering. It feels like what you're working on matters. Um, so I think I feed off that. And in the future, that's the sort of thing I want to work on. That's truly inspiring. Jason, the direct impact of your work on people's lives must be incredibly rewarding. Now, I'm curious, with Mida live on the app stores and receiving such positive feedback, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to in the near future? Yep. Um, I'm, I think that, so our first launch of Mida, uh, we just posted something on LinkedIn and we wanted to see if this would get some sort of resonance with the broader community. Um, and it went super viral. So, so that is confirmed. We want to continue launching it and full sending it. Um, we want to spread it within community centers, uh, partner with nonprofits. And I'm also excited for it to launch on the Play Store. I'm, I'm just, I think this app is, I know it's very useful for my mom. And now a lot of the immigrants we work with um, and non-native English speakers. And I hope that all immigrants are aware in the U.S. and worldwide that this is something that can help them every day. That's a fantastic vision, Jason. Partnering with nonprofits and community centers could indeed make MIDA accessible to a wider audience. And it's heartwarming to see how your personal experience with your mom has led to a tool that can help so many people. Now, before we wrap up, I'm curious, any final thoughts or advice you'd like to share with our listeners, especially those who are just starting their journey in tech or entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, I, I think my biggest piece of advice is that, especially after this summer, I really strongly believe this. It's that in the tech world, people tend to be pretty nice. Um, so if you have someone you look up to, uh, it never hurts to take initiative and reach out. Um, and, and you might be able to get advice from a really cool person. And so if there's a really cool opportunity you see, rather, um, rather than well, let, let me backtrack a bit and rephrase. So um, I think there are a lot of ways to get things, get, get your goals done. Um, and so, for example, you could go through like lengthy application processes. I'm thinking about like certain types of jobs, like consulting. You can go through lengthy application processes and jump through a lot of hoops and sit in through a lot of mandatory meetings. And I'm sure you're a sharp person, so you can get your job that way. But I think there are other ways sometimes where you could just learn on the job or email the person that is an expert in the field and you can fast track your learning instead of having to do things that you're not passionate about. I earnestly think that people in the tech world are very kind and nice and, and in a lot of fields. Um, so it is always good to ask for a mentor. That's fantastic advice, Jason. Taking initiative and reaching out to people you admire can indeed open up new opportunities and accelerate learning. And it's heartening to hear about the kindness and supportiveness of the tech community. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and insights with us today, Jason. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks, Martin. That's a fantastic idea, Jason. Before we wrap up, would you mind giving us a live demo of MIDA? Sure. As someone who... All right, let's cook. Um, so this is the Mida app on my phone. I don't know which camera I can see it. Okay, I'll just show it to you, Martin, or this. Um, so if you click on Mida, very simple. Um, you open the app and there's a big microphone button. You press the button and say anything you want, any language, hundreds of languages we support. You can even mix the same uh, multiple languages in one sentence. So I know Chinese and English, so let's give that a shot. 
你好，我的名字是 Jason， 然后我现在的专业是 Computer Science。我今天在 Dawson 的家里跟 Martin 有个 conversation， 然后这个 conversation was very cool，、um, and we talked about technology。And so now Maida、uh, is able to transcribe down what I said。There it is。That's fantastic。And then、um, and then it turns it into polished English。And I can let it say what it said in polished professional English. Here it is. Hello, my name is Jason, and I'm currently majoring in computer science. Today, I had a very cool conversation about technology with Martin at Dawson's house. That's all. That's absolutely incredible, Jason. The translation is so seamless, and the polished English output is really impressive. I can see how this can be a game changer for many people, including myself, when trying to understand conversations in different languages. Thank you for the demo, and congratulations on building such a useful tool.